Well, it is good to be back with you uh, once again as I sense a real anticipation for next week's Sunday. May God give to us uh, to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. As I ask you to turn in your Bibles here this morning to Exodus chapter uh, 14. Exodus chapter 14, and we'll be reading uh, the whole chapter. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out Defiantly, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this that we said to you in Egypt, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went uh, behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved 
from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall uh, to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the living word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Amen. Let's pray and ask him once again for his blessing. Our Father and our God, as we come before you, we give thanks to you for this record in uh, the history of your people, the history of how you get glory to your name, even in the destruction of Pharaoh and all his hosts. We do ask of you that even as we have read your word and now about to hear your word exposited, that you would be gracious and you'd teach us here this morning. You'd guide and direct our thoughts. You'd give me the words to speak. You'd give us hearts and ears to receive what you have to say to us. And Father, would you give that Jesus would be lifted up above and beyond anything else. Father, may we hide indeed behind the cross. We ask this all in Christ's blessed name. Amen. For many of us, and possibly all of us, the uh, story of the Israelites crossing or going through the Red Sea on dry ground is very well known and is a very familiar passage. If we have any familiarity with the Word of God, we recognize this was a phenomenal overthrow of the enemies of God 
and a phenomenal deliverance of the people of God. Who would have thought that between three and four and a half million people would cross over the Red Sea on dry ground and then to see Pharaoh and all his hosts go in after them and not one of them survive? And how that everyone of Israel was brought safely to the other side. And when we stop to think about it in salvation terms, we have to say, my, this is a type of Christ. This is a type of what it means to be saved, truly saved, because not one of them is lost. And Jesus in John chapter 17 said, Father, out of all of those you've given me, I've not lost a single one except the son of perdition. It's a phenomenal picture of Jesus Christ and his salvation for everyone who is in Jesus. Now, there have been those who have doubted this phenomenal deliverance of God's people. They've said, well, maybe there was three foot of water in the Red Sea. And others have said, well, maybe there was six inches of water. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. But one little schoolboy had it right as the teacher tried to debunk the fact that the Lord parted the Red Sea and that they went on dry ground. And he said loud and clear for the class to hear, praise the Lord for the miracle. He drowned Pharaoh and all his hosts in six inches of water. He had it right, dear ones. When we stop and think about it even a little bit further, It's an amazing picture of God's faithfulness to his people and his purposes. God always accomplishes what he has set out to do. Make no mistake about it. God never forsakes the works of his own hands. Jesus Christ is our forerunner. Jesus Christ is our trailblazer. Jesus Christ is the one who's gone before his people. He is the one who's guaranteed our victory. And if we are in him, we have nothing to fear. We should see as well that the enemies of God will meet their day. If you're in Christ here this morning, this passage is for your great comfort and encouragement. Now We could dwell on this whole story and spend a fair amount of time in it. What I'd like to do here for a few minutes here this morning is to reflect on a few other aspects of Exodus chapter 14. Even as you await your congregational meeting Uh, next Sunday, and as you have traveled this whole time that began uh, with this road, as it were, in the early days of January of 16. When I came to you in March of 16, I tried to give you some encouragement and say what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. So I ask you, not to lose heart. So with that, I I want to turn our attention, if 
I trust you have your Bibles still open. If you don't, I ask you to open them once again. I want to answer a very basic question for us here this morning, and that is, how does Israel learn to wait on the Lord? How does Israel learn to wait on the Lord? Here's the first part. Here's the first answer to that question. Israel, the Lord's people, the Old Testament church, learns to wait on the Lord by being backed into a corner. I wonder if you've noticed it in the text, in the first four verses, what the Lord says to Moses. Tell the people of Israel to turn back and to encamp in front of I can't even say that word, Pahiroth, and between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now, without getting into all of the details, God is saying to Israel, I want you to back up. I want you to go to this corner I want you to go to this place. Get this, dear ones. I want you to go to this place where there is no escape. I want you to go somewhere where you've never seen before. You've got mountains on one side. You've got the Red Sea in front of you. And you don't know what's coming behind you. Dear ones, God has this way of teaching his people to wait upon the Lord by being backed into a corner. Now, I could take it a step further and say to you, the the way from Egypt to Canaan, had they taken a direct route, would have been about two weeks for three to four and a half million people. What's up with this, as we say, that God allows the Israelites to travel in the desert for 40 years. What's up with that? And here we see that God backs his people into a corner. Well, as I said, they could have been in Canaan within two weeks. You could have had a pastor in two months. But God has let you wait better than a year and a half before anyone surfaced. Now, do you believe in the sovereignty of God? And I understand I'm a visiting preacher, but I can honestly say I love you. Clover ARP Church has been on your been on our hearts, my wife and my heart, this whole time. I trust you don't mind me being honest with you. God could have given you a pastor in two months. Wouldn't have been very difficult for him to do that. But can I suggest to you that the application for us here this morning is that God has a way of teaching his people to wait upon him by backing us into a corner. Where we might even be thinking... Where are we going from here? 
And we can only imagine the consternation of the people of Israel as they saw Pharaoh beginning to pursue them from the rear. Now, I know not everything in the text translates into Clover ARP. That's not the intent. But I hope that you get the message that God is wondrously sovereign over the affairs of his church. He has control over all of the affairs in the world. Everything that's been going on behind the scenes that you have known nothing about. When there's been seemingly total silence from your elders. Dear ones, have you been convinced that God is absolutely sovereign and he knows what he's doing? And that he has a perfect plan for his people here at Clover ARP? Are you persuaded of that? Have you been persuaded of that? It's extremely important as we look at these verses in Exodus chapter 14. What an amazing sentence we see in verse 4. The Egyptian shall know that I am the Lord. When we consider this passage and we see that God has everything under his control and his timing, we may feel that we're backed into an impossible corner. It doesn't appear that way now. Next week, you'll hear some news. It's wonderful to see that notice and to hear about it. But I think there's a valid point to be made here. And that is, we may feel ourselves to be backed into a corner. And maybe there's a lot of people on vacation here. But when I came here in March of 2016, there were a number of more people here in this congregation. Why have they left? Maybe they're all on vacation. I'm not trying to be mean. But this is what happens so often in the church of Jesus Christ is that somehow things seem greener on the other side of the fence. Church hopping seems to be the order of the day. Now that I no longer have a pastorate and I get to go to various churches, I'm getting to hear again and again that pastors and elders, their hearts break, they moan and groan as professed saints go somewhere else for no good reason at all. You may have been saying, you know what, we've been a year and eight months and we don't have a pastor. I think I just need to go someplace else. And we as the people of God must be persuaded that God has got a perfect plan and that he will work it out and he will bring glory to his name. Exodus chapter 14 is so clear on this. God is determined to bring glory to his name as he works out his sovereign plan. Unseen to the people of Israel, 
unseen to the people of Clover ARP Church. I trust. It's amazing how these things have crossed as this text has been on my mind for well over a month. How these things have crossed, and tomorrow and next week Sunday, Lord willing, that you'll have an eye opener of the sovereign hand of God to get glory to His name and to provide a faithful shepherd over the flock here at Clover. There's another thing to learn from the text here, and I want us to see it from verses 5 through 14. Is that Israel, the Lord's people, the Old Testament church, learns to wait on the Lord through being brought to the end of themselves. Not only are you backed into a corner, but you're brought to the end of themselves. Look at verse 10, for example. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. They saw what was happening. They could look in the distance now. They could see the dust. They could see the chariots. They knew who those chariots belonged to. They saw that the horsemen were with them. They saw, the, they saw on the horizon that they were trapped and they were likely to be decimated. And they did figure this was the end of themselves. Dear ones, the church has been... Let me, let me back up. The world has said of the church... The church is going to die. And we're going to help it die. We're going to do whatever we can to ruin the people of God. We're going to see to it that the church is going to fall on its proverbial face and come to nothing. And we see the minimization of the church all over our society, and we see it happening at an increasing pace even in our own country. But what we also see is that the church of Jesus injures herself as God's people even damage the church of Jesus. Look closely at our text. You might wonder, where, 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 where is this visiting preacher getting this from, that even the people of God damage the church? Continue to look with me at verse 10. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? And so on. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The people of Israel are crying out to the Lord. But dear ones, they're not praying. They're grumbling. They're grumbling to the Lord. And they can't get at the Lord 
The Lord doesn't even respond to them. They can't even get at him. So what do they do? They go after the very leader that God has placed over them. And they go after Moses. I don't have the inside scoop here at Clover. I think I need to make that very clear to you all. I don't have the inside scoop. But here's the tendency in the church of Jesus Christ. When things don't go quite the way that we think they ought to go, or they don't quite go the way that we want them to go, what's the first thing that we do, brothers and sisters? Go ahead. I know every one of you are thinking. Complain about the leadership of the church. I know what it's like to have roast pasture at lunch. Well, that's a tendency in Christ's church. Complain about the leaders. Complain about the elders. Like I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't have an inside scoop. I'm just taking it from Scripture. This is, a, this is a very real lesson for us. We, dear ones, go contrary to our profession of faith. When on the one hand we've promised to submit to our leaders. We've promised to submit to those who've been placed over us and been given authority by God himself. And then we do the opposite of what we're supposed to do. I'm not incriminating anyone here. I have no idea. I'm only taking it from Scripture. And I'm saying this is the tendency of even God's people all too often. You mind me asking, have you been there? Are you there now? I call us all to get a grip on ourselves and look to Jesus, who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. He will keep his word, dear ones. Here's a third lesson that we see from our text as we answer the question about how God causes God's people to wait upon the Lord. And that is, we are told to be silent as well as to go forward. Do you see the text? Verse 13 through 18. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will seek for you today. The Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Now we tell our children, don't tell your friends, don't tell other people to shut up. But do we get it here in the passage? God is saying to his people, you need to shut up. Stop your complaining. Trust me. Moses comes and he says, trust me. Trust God. He'll, he'll work something out that you've never seen before. What does it mean, dear ones? What does it mean to be quiet, to be silent, as well as to go forward? 
the easiest, smallest way, the most concise way I can put it for us here this morning is to be able to say God is calling us all to walk by faith and not by sight. To take the absolute position, God knows what he's doing, and I trust him for what he's doing, and I will rest in what God has designed for us. See, it's very easy for us to lose confidence in the Lord. We lose confidence that the Lord will provide in his own time and way. And can I say to us here this morning, the whole town of Clover, even beyond, is looking to your own witness. Where is the lighthouse in our witness? Are we all holding on to the balls together? Are we all doing what we are called to be doing? Are we raising high the cross? Are we raising high the lighthouse for those who are lost out in the world that we might call others to come to Christ, to come and feed on Jesus? Uh, one more point. I know it's getting late, but you're visiting, I'm a visiting preacher. You can't fire me. Here's the fourth thing I want for us to see from our text. It's, a, it's the whole rest of the passage, all the way from verse 19 to 31, is, is that the Lord teaches his people to learn to wait on him by seeing the cloud of pillar move behind them. Now, I know it's this whole rest of the passage from verse 19 to 31, but it is tremendous to see the pillar go in behind the people of God so that the people of God are illumined as they go forward into the Red Sea and the enemies of God are left in sheer darkness. Moses wants us to know that, and he says it there in the text. I always have to bring it back to Jesus. Jesus is the pillar of cloud. Jesus is the one who goes and protects his people. Jesus is the one who has paid the price. Jesus is the one who said he'll preserve his church. Jesus is the one who said that the greater glory is coming yet. Jesus has said that his enemies will be put to shame. The day is coming that the rocks and the mountains will be called on by the enemies of God to fall on them and to crush them out of favor to to run and to be able to get away from the wrath of God. And the people of God will shine like the sun. What a glorious prospect you have as the people of God. What a glorious prospect to think that God is providing for you a pastor while you've been indeed marching on. It's obvious that there have been some who have fallen away. But God calls you, dear ones, to be a testimony for him and to trust his providence, to trust 
But Jesus goes before you. Regardless of how twisting and turning the way has been for this pastor to come to this flock, trust Jesus that he knows best and he's got nothing but good in store for you. I want us to notice right at the very end of our chapter what took place, and that is the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the result of what Israel experienced as they learned to wait on the Lord. May you, dear ones, bless God for the work that your elders have done in the midst of this congregation, especially since the early days of 2016. And I say to you, may God bless you richly.